It's Monday the 23rd of August 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. My guest this week is Fantis Birtner Logadotir, a journalist with the national newspaper Fréttablæðið. Welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the first family evacuated by Icelandic authorities from Afghanistan arrived in Europe yesterday as calls for Iceland to do more to help have mounted, including from the president. Mm-hmm. The National Refugee Council is presenting its recommendations to the government today. Schools are back and 12 to 15 year olds are being vaccinated against COVID-19. In the capital region, all youngsters in that age group are invited to come either today or tomorrow. Rules for quarantine have changed in schools with the aim of seeing fewer people forced to quarantine in relation to each case. And quick tests are set to become more common with Livia pharmacies waiting for a license to start selling them. And one government minister proposing sending them to every home in the country. The chief epidemiologist, meanwhile, has presented his long-term COVID outlook, but the government has not committed to recommendations that he's made at this stage. The current set of rules expire at the end of this week, uh, but they appear to set largely remain unchanged as infection rates remain high, though the numbers are still dropping, luckily. The volcano turned five months old this Thursday, and people have watched Roof's online web coverage over four million hours so far. And that's only Roof. Uh, the volcano has become almost nocturnal as of late, and has started flowing into Nautai again. Iceland performs close to worst of all when it comes to how it spends its elderly care budget, according to one Canadian specialist. Not enough money is spent on home care, he says, uh, while nearly all funding goes on storing elderly people in care homes, which, despite mopping up nearly all of the funding, are still teetering on the edge of insolvency. In other not-so-great news, Iceland once again towers over the rest of Europe when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions per person, according to the latest Eurostat figures uh, that show the country emitted double the gases per person as second-place Luxembourg, and several times more than the EU average. And finally, the Central Bank of Iceland is dealing with what it perceives as a threat to national security by building its own backup credit and debit card processing network for use in in, in case any of the now foreign-owned commercial systems ever goes offline. So, where would you like to begin? <laughs> well, maybe we should start with the, the COVID numbers, uh, since they just dropped in. Uh, so we're still seeing cases drop a little bit. I mean, we we can't uh, tell too much from the from the um, infections over the weekend since mm. fewer samples were taken. But it looks like uh, it's it's going a bit down. Uh, this week we'll be curious to see if uh, we're going in the right path. I mean, people got boosters, uh, the people that got Janssen uh, vaccine, they got boosters last week. And of course, uh, the booster for uh, 90-year-olds and over was mm-hmm. on Thursday. So it'd be curious to see if the cases won't drop after all this. I mean, they have been doing for a couple of weeks now, really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, they have been. And it's it's great to see them drop a little bit, but it's still a reason of concern. I mean, most of the people that are still uh, getting COVID aren't in quarantine when they're... when they're, uh, when they, when they find out they have COVID. So there's still some areas of concern with it, and we, we're not through this yet. No, definitely not, especially with the schools going back. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, Thorolo himself said it's a reason for concern that uh, the schools are coming back together. And I mean, most of them are unvaccinated. And even though we've started today with the 12 to 15 year olds, uh, it takes at least two weeks after the second dose uh, to get the full effect. Mm -hmm. So we won't see them 
fully vaccinated until October. Until then, we might see a lot of cases going up with with children in school. Um, when you talk about them, uh, twelve to fifteen year olds, mm-hmm. what's your impression? What are you feeling from the like the word on the street, if you will, about the sort of proportion that are going to be taking taking it up today and tomorrow? I'm not sure. I, I mean, we always hear of the people that that don't want their kids to get vaccinated. They're a louder group. So mm. I mean. I was kind of afraid that many kids wouldn't go because of uh, talking about side effects from the vaccine. And uh, I mean, there's still a lot we don't know about them. But uh, today, the there were a lot of kids in Lødersøtl getting the vaccine for the first round. So, mm. I mean... And of course, other parts of the country, sorry to interrupt, have yeah. been have started before us in the yeah. capital um, last yeah. week, for example. So that's mm. kind of a indicator yeah 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 exactly i mean the hope is of course to get the most kids vaccinated because that's how we can protect against this but i mean of course we understand the concerns that some people don't know and so people don't want to vaccinate their kids and i mean that's okay i mean they just don't know exactly so Mm. but we will see after tomorrow when where we stand with kids vaccinated and is there any word yet of what comes next? I mean, presumably there will be children and parents that don't want to or want to wait a bit. Mm-hmm. Is there Are there other dates coming up, maybe in the next few yeah. weeks, that they can do it? I mean, Helge uh, Gestlund has already uh, said that anyone who misses their appointment can come between 12, no, 10 or between 10 and 3 on, on weekdays so they can get the dose there. So, I mean... People should be able to get the vaccine if they want to, even mm. though they don't show up right now. And do you know how schools are working this? Are they like are they shipping kids off all at the same time I'm, throughout I'm, the day? I'm not sure. I mean, of course, because the parents have to be with them. Yeah. Uh, so I ex- expect that a lot of parents are taking a day off from work to get their children vaccinated. And of course, uh, today, a lot of schools haven't formally started uh, it's just kind of an introduction day today for mm. more, m- many schools, and then sc- starts tomorrow full force. So I'm I'm not sure how how they're doing it. There's buses going from schools. Uh, on a related subject, before we move on, um, the sort of the double threat, if you will, schools are coming back together, and the quarantine rules that we had in place until the summer holidays have changed. They've become a bit looser now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to have an effect as well, but. Possibly also the, the the positive effect that they're hoping for is that whole families and therefore whole classes and whole workplaces and whole sections of society are not going to be shoved into quarantine. Exactly. That's kind of the mission with it. Uh, with the new rules that maybe uh, kids that are older, they can go into quarantine themselves and then uh, parents don't have to. Of course, if the child can't take care of himself, one parent will always have to be in quarantine with them. And uh, but it's to kind of stop entire households from going into quarantine, entire classes going into quarantine. So I mean, it's something we have not tried in this uh, uh, in these past past few months. But I mean, it will be curious to see how how it works if it works. Well, that's the question, isn't it? Because, I mean, now we're dealing with this Delta variant. The most famous thing we all know about the Delta variant is how much more contagious it is and how it's spreading in ways that we're not predicting. So Exactly. And I mean, uh, 
studies suggest that uh, kids are more likely to get more sick with the Delta variant than others, other variants before that. So there's a lot of things we don't know going into this fall. Mm. And quick tests as well. This is something yeah. other countries have been using these mm-hmm. home testing, self-testing kits for a long time. Yeah, I mean, some governments have shipped to families a couple of weeks every week a couple of tests every week, but uh, we haven't really tried that. Thorolur uh, is kind of on the fence about them. Doesn't say they're reliable enough, and I mean, of course, that's that's what we're sacrificing for the quick quick time that it takes to take the tests. But uh, I mean, for going out, venues can maybe uh, request them, so it would make make people feel safer mm. without maybe putting all of limits on them. Mm. And what do you make of these um, proposals that maybe they will be sent into people's homes? Because at the moment, we're just, they're not even available right now. No. Like, Livia has got a load of them in the shed, if you will, and they're yeah. waiting to put them on the shelves, but they're not allowed to yet. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we should... I mean, what we said throughout uh, throughout COVID is that we should take examples from other countries around us, and this is what they have done. So why not us? I mean, of course, we might uh, fall down a couple times and and see that some sometimes the quick tests don't work as well. But I mean, mm. that's part of learning what we're doing through all of this. I mean, they can't be as good um, because they're cheaper and quicker. Yeah. yeah. And, and otherwise, the other test wouldn't exist if they were as good. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, it gives when. When everyone is vaccinated, or almost everyone is vaccinated, and then this gives that little extra boost of, okay, uh, I'm a little more safer with this. And I mean, of course, that's that's good. Mm. But we can't rely on it solely. We still need the original tests, of course, and they will still be used. We're not talking about substituting them completely. So uh, I think it's, we have to find the middle ground with, mm. with the rapid tests and, and the others. Rapid test. That's what they yeah. call quick yeah. tests. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. It's all. It's a game of degrees at this stage, isn't it? Every little yeah. thing that the authorities and we do mm-hmm. makes a little difference somewhere. And yeah, and I mean, they've talked about this that we're all in this together, even though we talk about the government setting rules. But I mean, we also have to be conscious of our decisions, how we proceed in this in this crisis. So. I mean, we're all in this together. The classic slogan for this. And I know this is the second time I've said it, but finally, just quickly before we move on, at uh, the end of this week, when the current rules are set to expire, what then? What do you think? I mean, we're going to find out, obviously. Yeah, we're going to find out. Uh, I don't think they they will relax the rules very much. They might a little, I don't know. Mm. Um, they, of course, prolong the original... F- uh, rules for two weeks. So we've had this for what, four or five weeks, these 200 people uh, limitation and uh, one meter rule and uh, mask. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. I, it's curious to see. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where next? What would you like to talk about next? Ooh, I'm not sure. Uh, Afghanistan, maybe? Yeah, I mean, that is the big story in the whole world. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Iceland has a small part to play in that. Yeah, yeah. There are th- were three Icelandic families that were uh, in Afghanistan. One of them, of course, as you said, uh, arrived in Europe last uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I mean, 
we're all embroiled in this Afghanistan situation. It's it's horrible to see what's happening and what how the countries are responding to it. We need to work together, kind of, to to get through this. And of course, as as Guni president said, uh, we we have to work with the other nations to, even though we're we're the small country, we still have an obligation to do our part and in cooperation with other countries then as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Iceland was part of the. Uh, we don't have a military force necessarily, yeah. but was part is part of NATO yeah. and was part of the coalition mm-hmm. that invaded Afghanistan 20 years ago mm-hmm. or, or you know, removed the Taliban. And I mean, we've had a lot of work with with Afghan people, uh, women of of course, especially since uh, the UN uh, Code of Women and Rights. Uh, we've kind of been pushing that, and we've worked with a lot of Afghan women. Well, I say we. I mean, of course. Uh, the Icelandic people that work for NATO. So we have kind of an obligation to them as well because we have put them in the situation where they have put themselves forth and now their rights are in danger. So, of course... Uh, well, their safety is in danger as yes, well just for course. having done that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So they've, they've become kind of a target for what has been going on for the past decade or so. So, I mean, of course we have an obligation. We, we can't ha- hide behind the fact that we're a small country. We, we're in this coalition we're in NATO and uh, we we have an obligation to do it. Absolutely. And maybe worth mentioning uh, Ingeborg Solrin Gisladotir, who was the UN women head mm-hmm. in Kabul. I mean, not now, but um, yeah, yeah. some time ago. And she's obviously Icelandic and she mm-hmm. was running this operation. Yes, of course. I mean, and there are a lot of uh, women that work with NATO, especially been very vocal about the fact that Iceland needs to step up and we need to address the situation that is going on. Because it's these their lives are in danger there, hmm. and we can't just look the other way because we're on the other side of the the globe, kind of. And what can Iceland do, or what should Iceland do more than it is doing? Because obviously, we can't just go in there and replace the U.S. forces. No, exactly. No, I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but uh, I would think to maybe um, we could accept more refugees. For example, we talked about it last year that we would accept uh, Afghan refugees as well as others. That still hasn't been done. Uh, so we just kind of have to stick to our promises and, and just make sure these people are safe. Even though we can't make most of the difference ourselves, we can work with the Nordic countries to <clears throat> to get, get people who are in danger out. Yeah. And that was good to see in this case as well. That yeah. the, the plane that this one family arrived on was a Danish plane. Exactly, um, and it people. shows how the cooperation works. And I mean, we, we can always hide behind the fact that we're this tiny island country, but we can work with other countries to make a difference. Absolutely. Um, okay, what do you think is going to happen over the next week or so in this regard here at home? Um, the pressure has been high. Obviously, there's... Yeah. There's voices on both sides. There are <coughs> people that say we shouldn't accept any refugees from yeah. Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. It seems to me they're in the minority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think so too. But I mean, <coughs> sorry. Um, but I mean, uh, there's a month until elections. So I think that colors a lot about how the government will proceed. They want to kind of go in the middle ground, don't want to push any buttons. So I'm... I'm not holding my breath for a lot of uh, actions, but I hope that uh, we kind of show that we 
we're um, we're committed to to this project, to helping these people. So, I mean, hopefully we will accept refugees. I think that would be maybe the first step. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. And there doesn't seem to be very much to live up to in that regard. No. Um. And I mean, the immigration in this country has always been kind of a, a black spot for many. Uh, but... When you see a crisis like this unfold, um, something needs to be done. And I just hope that the government sees that. Mm. There, We can make similarities to the Syrian crisis, of course, mm-hmm. um, and the scale of human suffering and the desperation of people trying to flee the country is mm-hmm. is probably the same. Yeah. Um, but in that case, there was a lot less direct Icelandic involvement than there has been this time. Mm-hmm. Will that change the authorities' reaction to it? It might. I mean, of course, we have a special obligation now because we are a part of NATO. Uh, we're a part of this whole thing. Um, and I think the Afghanistan crisis now has been more uh, publicly revealed. Uh, I think it w- gathered more media attention than maybe the Syrian crisis. So there's that pressure as well, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what they will do. Hmm. Just on the on the practical side of it, there's one one family um, is presumably still in Denmark, maybe maybe coming to Iceland today. I'm not sure. Um, there's two others they're trying to get out, right? Yes, yes. I think they were. I'm not sure how many in total they were, but they're trying to get them out as well. Because the news last week was that they were trying to get seven Icelandic citizens yeah. out, including one family. Yeah. Now there's three families, so it's, it's just an updated figure. I think so. Uh, and, of course, what I've gathered from uh, the foreign ministry is that uh, some family members aren't Icelandic citizens. So they're maybe an Icelandic citizen that's married to an Afghan citizen. So uh, that might affect the numbers somehow. I'm not sure. But uh, the latest figures are three families, and I, I presume that's that's the right figure. Mm-hmm. And presumably, we can count on continued um, Nordic cooperation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have a very strong cooperation with with the Danish and and the Swedish and and every 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 Nordic country. So I presume that in the next following weeks, we will try to cooperate with them in in any way we can. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to add, or should we move on? Just let's move on. I think I think I've said the most. Okay, where's next? We've got obviously the endless news about the volcano, yes. <laughs> elderly care, or greenhouse gas emissions. Can mm-hmm. do the volcano. Yeah, briefly maybe. Yeah, briefly. But We've talked a lot about yeah, it every week, in fact. <laughs> but it was nice to see that it's putting on such a show again. Yeah, yeah. It's been kind of uh, its activity has been falling down and then up and. They've been talk about maybe we'll end in a week, maybe we'll end in 30 years. We don't know. It's like it goes its own way, the volcano these days. And it's it's fun to see that it, it's kind of showing some life again. And it seems to be coming to life every night and going to sleep every day. Yeah, which yeah. Is weird. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's weird that it kind of connects to that. But I mean, maybe it, it thinks that 
makes a better show in the nighttime <laughs> for the volcano. I don't know. Well, it, it does. might have a mind of its own. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been really popular as well around the mm-hmm. world. I mentioned that four million hours of streaming has yes. happened on the Rove webcam, that's but incredible. that's not counting the VCIR webcam or the MBL one, no, and it's not counting coverage on Rove two on TV. So mm-hmm. it's, it's lots a of lot. people. Mm. Yeah, but it's nice. I mean, we have this kind of attraction here, so it's good. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, long may that continue. The road uh, on the south shore we were told was going to be completely inundated by lava months ago. Still yeah. there. Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. Uh, I'm not sure what the latest was about it, but I mean, the, I think they're always taking the approach that uh, the worst thing that can happen will happen. So they're just like, oh, it's going to happen. We just don't know when. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> if the volcano considered, uh, continues as it is now, I mean, it will take some time for it to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the flow has changed somewhat. Yeah, it was going yeah. more into Meradalis and less into Nautai. Yeah, but, but then again, it changes. It really does regularly. So I mean, we just don't know. There's a lot about this that we don't know. We don't we don't know when it'll stop. We don't know where it'll go. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people pretty glad that it hasn't stopped yet. Yeah, especially in the tourism industry. Exactly. It's it's an attraction for sure. I mean, uh, mm. this this gets people here. I mean. A lot of people that don't live in Iceland haven't seen a volcano ever. So, I mean, of course that's an attraction. And then when you have, with the fall coming uh, and winter with the northern lights and, and everything, it's kind of geared toward the tourism sector at yeah. this point. Yep. And people are going to be slipping over in the ice again. It's oh, going to be yes. wonderful. Yes, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next subject. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Elderly care, maybe? It's a big one. It's one mm-hmm. of the subjects that never goes away. It's always no. in the news somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is quite a damning conclusion by this guy. Um, and I think he was the lead lead author of a report that the Icelandic Health Service requested. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that. Mm-hmm. And he says that uh, 92% of elderly care funding goes to <coughs> nursing homes. Which, yeah, which he describes as storage space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for old people, and we should, be, and despite that, they're teetering on the edge of bankruptcy. Yeah, exactly. And we should be putting a lot more money into home care. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the entire health sector we've seen during this uh, epidemic is not in great shape, and of course that translates to elder care as well. Um, I think it's it's always been a point that. Uh, the elderly aren't getting the care they need here. And I mean, we have entire um, political parties that are based on elderly rights or elderly people's rights. So uh, I think it will be in the discussion a lot more. But of course, this is very damning and, and, and not good to hear. And this is something that we need to step up, definitely. Yeah, and it's it's one of those conversations that does go on and on. Yeah. I think years and years people have been drumming on this point and it doesn't seem to change no and of course we're we're getting older every year so there are a lot more elderly people than they were maybe 10 years ago so we're kind of filling the spaces up but not doing enough to kind of uh, to take care of all the people that are in this in this group now 
Yeah, that's right, because the problem only gets worse as yeah. the group gets bigger. Exactly. I mean, we have better medicine, better better healthcare, and then people get older and we need to kind of think about, oh, we have this population that's growing. We need to to answer that. So, yeah, his name is Samia Sinha. He's the head of um, elderly care services at the Sinai Shu- um, <laughs> the hospital system in, in Canada. Yeah. And he points out that it's it's better and cheaper to provide good home care yeah. to people. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, makes sense. Yeah, it, it really does. And uh, that's something that we need to look into more because, I mean, of course, we can't put everyone in an institution or in a, in a nursing home. Uh, people sh- And, of course, it's also for their rights to be able to live in their own home. So they have, should have more access to, if they want to, to home care. So, I mean, but I've, I've, as I said, I think this isn't, this will be ongoing for a for a long while, this discussion. But why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if it's uh, that, that we're getting older and more more people are getting older, or if it's just, I don't know. I mean, of course, the elderly don't have much representation in the government. Most of them are middle-aged. They uh, are voters, though. They are voters, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the people that they vote for, if they don't see kind of their representation in it, then I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure. But what I don't understand about this is we're not talking about necessarily. I mean, yes, of course, every system wants more money. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily about more money. They're saying here that Denmark yeah. spends 65% of its elderly care funding on home care, mm-hmm. whereas Iceland is spending 92% of its on nursing homes. Yeah. Maybe it could be uh, um, that they can't get em- enough employees to be into uh, home care. And I don't know. I mean, we we are such a small country that we are debilitated by how small we are sometimes. Uh, that might be a factor. And also just we might need to change how we approach things. Uh, this is the way that we always done, maybe get them into nor- nursing homes. And uh, maybe this is kind of a, a a time point where we need to rethink that. And I mean, of course, Denmark maybe does that more than, and if that shows that it's working, then of course that, that is an avenue we should look into. Mm. But a lot of, with healthcare, uh, then there, you just really need to kind of rethink the, how you're doing it because it's always changing. Uh, and of course, elder care is, is one of those I remember many, many years ago, there used to be a bit of a buzz around Iceland having one of the highest proportions of working parents mm-hmm. in Europe and one of the highest proportions of children that go to Leikskoli mm-hmm. in Europe. And that was heralded as a good thing, yeah. which it is in many ways. I'm wondering if this is the opposite side of the same coin. It might be, that yeah. People, you know, mm-hmm. we put the kids here and we do the work and then we put the old people here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just have kind of this place to put everything. Uh, yeah, it might be, yeah. Mm. I think that's... Mm. Possible. Yeah. So what can be done? Is it is it an election issue, even? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Uh, my feeling about it is that uh, elder care doesn't really get that much attention. Uh, because, I mean, most of the population, or like the younger people, uh, it's not an issue that concerns them. So I think uh, other issues such as climate change and the healthcare sector in general are more uh, pressing 
election issues, but of course this is an election issue, of course, mm. uh, and we need to do something about it, definitely. But if it, if it will be done, I don't know. And this, along with a lot of other election issues, they do risk being overshadowed a bit um, by COVID. Of course, of course, everything. Is and being... Afghanistan, and yeah. Even climate change, I think, is is higher now than it's ever been on the agenda, which is a mm-hmm. great thing. Um, but people are talking about that a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, COVID has it affected every part of our life, and uh, we're still going through this one and a half year later. It's, <clears throat> I think it's later this week. It will be exactly one and a half years since the first case came to Iceland. So um, it's kind of a long stretch, and we're getting so tired of this. So we want something to change in that regard. We want something, uh, how we can address future epidemics. Mm. So, of course, COVID is a big election issue, but climate change as well, and uh, the situation in Afghanistan and in just foreign countries as well, in general, those are kind of the biggest uh, biggest election issues. So I think maybe elder care would fall a little bit uh, yeah. low on that list. And of course, climate change and health care yeah, yeah, relate healthcare. to pandemics yeah anyway yeah exactly and like i said we've seen through this epidemic here that uh our healthcare system is not good enough we we can't i mean there are seven people in icu now because of covid and they don't have the people to to man the the, the sections where they are so i mean this is kind of a realization for us that we need to change some things and we need to uh do better in the healthcare sector because it concerns all of us especially in an epidemic because we can all we can all get covid i mean so including doctors and nurses yes yes, yes. i got it last month so <laughs> after i was vaccinated so it was Did i you? know how it feels yeah yeah oh we are really out of time now but quickly oh. how was it for you do like did you get sick i get i got sick for like a week uh, i think i got all of the symptoms lost the taste and smell but then exactly one week later i was perfectly fine And I, I think the vaccine for that definitely. I think I would have gotten a lot more sick if I if I hadn't gotten that. So. And did a lot of people around you have to go to quarantine? I sent two people into quarantine. Uh, nobody I knew was infected, so I don't know where I got it. Uh, I don't seem to have infected anybody else, so I was a good case in that regard. But, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if, if it could have gone much worse. Uh, for example, if I had just gone downtown the day after or the day before I I got diagnosed, which was my plan, but I decided not to, then. It might be a bit different story. Well, really good that you got better again. And, <laughs> yeah. um, thank you so much for coming as well. Thank you. The Week in Iceland will be back uh, next Monday, the 30th of August on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. Um, as I say, thank you to my guest today, Fantis Birnalogadotir, and also to Lydia Gretusdotir for running the studio. We finished today's programme with a song from a little earlier this year called Flieg uh, by the rapper Aaron Khan. Bye for now. Para esto le que le cierre, para quien le que le cambiere. Da ver cara que si ya viene, da ver cara que está aquí ve. Hoy flee, hoy flee, hoy flee. Sjálfur ekki alltaf Ég veit 
Halt auch gewesen 